Listening to Cambridge Challenges. We've been covering a lot of issues over the last year. We have touched on affordable housing, the subject of today's programme. It's part of obviously the wider planning choices for the region and a lot of issues that affect current residents and younger people in the city and also the, just the nature of the city that we might be living in in 10 years' time. We also, just before Christmas, covered homelessness and that is a real challenge including for single homeless in the city. So today we're looking at affordable housing. We're going to be looking at both what people can do locally, the council, housing associations, developers, what people can find out about housing options locally and just basically addressing those people that have the biggest challenges and the biggest challenges is broadly related to income but then there's also a disconnection, including for younger people, of just not being able to access housing at all sometimes. To start the programme, I'm going to talk to Freddie Poser. Uh, Freddie graduated in Cambridge in 2022 and was a resident of the city, so he, he knows Cambridge pretty well. Freddie works for Priced Out, which is a campaign group that particularly assists... Uh, younger people and looks at the challenges that they're facing which are amazingly large in cities like Cambridge. Freddie, uh, say a bit about what you're doing at the moment and about Priced Out and maybe the Yimby Alliance too. Priced Out is one of a, a group of campaigns across the country uh, including groups like Yimby Alliance, Generation Rent that have really started looking at the, the housing crisis and for Priced Out as you say especially how it affects young people who want to own their own home, uh, especially in high-cost cities like Cambridge, but Oxford, London, uh, Birmingham, Manchester, places where prices are really high and, and are only getting higher. And we focus on the supply mostly, so we think that the housing crisis is you know, mostly a question of we haven't built enough homes, we especially haven't built enough homes in the places that people want to live in. So people really like Cambridge. I loved my time in Cambridge. It's, a, it's an amazing city and we just haven't built enough homes there for the economic growth that's happened in the area. And this is true in many cities across the country. And because of that, house prices have completely run away from us. Uh, when I was there, the amount of rent I had to pay the year I didn't get college accommodation was was absolutely extraordinary. And I know that that's you know, replicated across the city. Cambridge is a particularly tricky case. It's got a, a long... Uh, you know, very different history to many cities because of the dominance of the university when it comes to issues in Cambridge. But the the fundamental issue, that lack of new homes, is is true up and down the country. So, what do you think the government, uh, local authorities, and we've got in the studio Will Nichols, who works for Landpro, a planning consultancy, and Stephen. Hills, who works as chief executive of Cambridge Housing Society, what, what, what do you think that locally we should be doing and what, sh what should we be expecting of the different players, the council, the housing associations, the developers? Housing is a really tricky one because it has such a, a political aspect to it. New housing and new development is always controversial locally and Cambridge is absolutely no exception to that. But 
Cambridge actually for a local council hasn't been you know it's certainly not in a hall of shame Cambridge it it, it is and its uh, surrounding South Cambridgeshire council are building quite a lot of new homes but it's not enough and it's not necessarily just a local issue but councils should look for places where building can be encouraged certainly allowed and part of that needs to be making sure that the community is brought along with it there's no point just enforcing homes everywhere because the council will will lose at the next election and we see those issues come up again and again but it's certainly possible to deliver homes in more or less popular ways and then affordable and social housing has to be part of that mix um it's never going to be a hundred percent of development because it's incredibly expensive but in especially in places like Cambridge where new homes sell for so much more than the, the the actual cost to build them we should be expecting new development to deliver either new homes directly like you know subsidized homes directly or they should contribute significantly to the council so that the council can deliver schemes on its own land for example but basically the council needs to work with uh, developers, housing associations and central government to deliver more homes of all types from social, affordable, all the way to market rent and for sale. Any thoughts on sort of fixing the development route? Often the landowners walk away with quite a lot of the money before the developers even uh, started. How would you protect the value so that if there is an uplift that actually funds affordable housing? And maybe is there other things that national government should be doing and could be doing so that they actually understand the needs of younger people who need a place to live, particularly those on lower incomes, but in fact all people who are young looking for somewhere to live? Absolutely. So that that uplift capture is incredibly important. One example that we at Priced Out have been supporting for a long time now is called Community Land Auctions, uh, that's slightly less relevant to Cambridge because it's more about greenfield development, but uh, certainly there's a lot of it around Cambridge where that would make a big difference, where uh, the council is empowered to actually capture much that uplift, as you say, when a, when greenfield land, agricultural land is given planning permission, it can go for about 80 times more than its agricultural use value. So there's no reason that all of that has to accrue to a land promoter and the landowner. Uh, so central government needs to enable councils to be able to do that. And one of the main reasons, at least from my perspective, to enable that is not just one of fairness. When people see that actually new development is delivering rewards for the local community, they're much less likely to to oppose it. There's more in it for them. Uh, so community land auctions are one way that that can be done. Uh, robust infrastructure levy rates will hopefully help on that and in theory remove replacing the sort of discretionary system of uh developer contributions that we currently have with just paying per, per house delivered will will also help developers know what you know give them certainty um but it's important that people see that when new housing is delivered it's not just for the benefit of the developer it there is real infrastructure or affordable housing delivered uh, for Cambridge as well. How can the government policy and also the local delivery take younger people more into account? We've got 
a older generation. I won't necessarily talk about myself, but you, you're you're a bit younger, and so is Will, who's in the studio. How can we actually look at the existing housing stock? Obviously, we can't suddenly just compulsory purchase somebody's house at 7 Lobelia Avenue. But we do have an inequity both of generational wealth, but also of who's actually got the biggest homes. Yeah, so I think that there are a number of issues that make it less advantageous for people to downsize. One of the classics is stamp duty. Stamp duty is a really, stamp duty land tax is a really bad tax. Yeah, It's a transaction tax. And actually, one of the things we should certainly not be discouraging is people moving homes. When people move home, they generally go from somewhere they wanted to live less to somewhere they wanted to live more. And that's something we should encourage. And so, for example, replacing uh, stamp duty land tax with some sort of property tax might might help in that regard. And encouraging people to to move more as their need, their property needs change. There are other things. So the council runs an HMO licensing scheme and certain councils, um, I don't actually know what Cambridge's response is, has been, but certainly certain councils are very strict on licensing houses or, or, or flats to be yep. shared by people of different, uh, you know, who aren't just in one family. An HMO is a house of multiple occupancy. And that can be a real struggle where you have a house where you might, maybe the owner does want to let it out to three young professionals who want to live in Cambridge or students, but they can't, the council might not let them. So it's about making sure that we enable people to use the homes to the most efficient way. Uh, and that can be as I say, central government and stamp duty, or it might be getting out of the way of HMO licensing and that sort of thing. And anything else? I mean, there's there's obviously the supply side, which you think is the biggest issue, which is that there's been a dead weight in the planning system, particularly in some parts of the country, uh, often the parts that need the most building clearly needs to be done cleverly and with adequate infrastructure, resources, water, um, and a public say. Anything else that you think, uh, if there should be a change of government, that could be looked at and developed? I think that one of the reasons I'm, I'm so keen on the supply side is we have had, we have been burnt before with demand-side responses. Uh, I'm sure everyone will remember Help to Buy, yeah. which priced out was very against when it started because what we said was, you know, it'll help a few people get on the housing ladder and it absolutely did. But its major impact was just to push up house prices significantly. So the um, money, the, the the net value that the government said that they were going to achieve was nullified by the extra costs for people to buy those houses. Yeah, and, you know, it did help some first-time buyers get on the housing ladder, but for that cost, the government could have done much more with making it easier or helping communities have a reason to say yes to new development. Obviously, one of the things Cambridge Council has to do, and every council has an absolute, you know, moral duty to do, is make sure that their their provision of housing for the, you know, the most disadvantaged in society is 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 there and up to up to standard. It's so important that, especially in Cambridge, where the homelessness population is is significant because of the cost of housing, that that, that there's a real social safety net to help people get back on their feet and and find a place a safe place to live. You know, that's not specifically young people, but young people do experience homelessness and it's incredibly important to make sure that's done. But I think 
for those of us who are lucky enough to have you know an income and, and, and be looking on the private market supply is the main thing on that side okay and, and as you say there are uh, young people including coming out of care or who fall out with parents or uh, or for other reasons need help and um, that's a whole zone of single homelessness and temporary accommodation and the lack of that that's put a hundred thousand people uh, into that accommodation without better places to be living th- this winter so thank thank you for joining us uh Freddie. and uh, all power to your elbow um there's clearly similar challenges in london where you are and you know this city well so um there's a lot to share so uh, thank you for joining us today and we'll look forward to hearing more of what uh, priced out and generation rent have got to say including because this is a year when we can influence the shape of policy and a rethink yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me thank you cambridge 105 radio i have in the studio with me uh, two people who know a lot about this first of all I've got Will Nichols, who is Regional Director for LandPro. It's a planning consultancy. It works on new development. It works for all sorts of clients, um, not just landowners and house builders, but the council and all all kinds of people proposing new schemes. That will be swiftly followed by Stephen Hills, and Stephen brings a wealth of experience about affordable housing. He's done quite a lot of research behind the work he's done first a few years ago for South Cambridgeshire where he was Director of Housing and more recently Chief Executive at the Cambridge Housing Society which is one of the city and the wider region's leading housing associations who have a particular mission to uh, tackle uh, the needs of people on lower incomes. So first of all, Will, affordable housing... Perhaps also you can inform it because uh, without overplaying it, you're just a couple of years younger than me. You would obviously have experienced the local housing market face-to-face as well as seeing it through your day job. What do you think some of the causes are? What do you think some of the early answers are to the issue of affordable housing? Thanks, Lewis. So I think going back to the post-war settlement, the affordable housing crisis has been, is, has been a long time in, in coming. In the post-war era, after the Second World War, we as a country built a lot of housing, the new towns came forward, and we were building probably enough housing to meet demand, and we were building a lot of council housing as well as market housing. But as we approached the sort of late 70s and early 80s, that essentially went off a cliff we had we had to write to buy we had and and subsequently the drop-off in the building of council housing and that's left essentially if you look at broadly speaking house building over that period it was typically around about there were obviously ebbs and ebbs and flows between that but it was around about 300,000 a year from the post-war up until the late 70s and and since then we've managing been managing an average of about 200,000 as opposed to 300,000 so you've got about 40 years of a of a of, sh- of shortfall there which equates to probably about 4 million houses that we haven't built that we perhaps needed to well that's going to take a while to build if we just get our trials out yeah so i mean obviously we can't we, can, we can't resolve that immediately but just to take a cambridge specific example of course 
the other thing that we've seen in Cambridge, actually a lot of people don't necessarily realise, but between 1981 and 1991, I believe, the actual population dropped in Cambridge um, because it, and the actual boom that has subsequently taken place has perhaps caught, caught some of us by, by surprise. But How we've I, been building about, a th- I mean, for a period of time until probably a year before COVID, we were building in Cambridge City an average of over a 1,000 homes a year and clearly other neighbours are also seeing significant build. I think this is a, a thing to, an important thing to, to recognise and is the fact that Cambridge City and South Cambridgeshire District Council and City Council have, have done very well actually in, in delivering housing over that period, far more than many other authorities and as your, your, your guest from Priced Out commented earlier, he, he said they're certainly not on the naughty step and, and I think people do recognise that Cambridge City Council and South Cambridgeshire District Council have done very well but the demand for, for housing in Cambridge is such that the growth has been so enormous that, it, that the supply hasn't kept up with the demand. And, and average house prices in Cambridge, we know, are now well over 500,000. South Cambridge... Cambridge 590,000, I 590, saw. 590,000, is it now? So, yeah. and, and South Cam's not far behind, behind that. And obviously there are variations across the city and across the district. And just to give one example of this huge demand, take the Cambridge Biomedical Campus, which is just one location in the city. It's currently estimated to employ around about 20,000 give or take um, people at the moment Um, that's forecast to increase by another 28,000 by 2041 to take it to 48,000 so that's that's another 28,000 jobs just in a single location putting huge pressure Cambridge South Station will help it'll make it much more accessible to people particularly trying to use alternative modes and it may make some of the areas further north perhaps a little bit more affordable in the in in the fens towns like March down and Market Whittlesea could be part of the solution not saying that we definitely need some rail investment and rail investment is obviously important as well as the Ely North Junction but ultimately I think the issues that we have now are are simply that we have been building houses but it just hasn't been at the rate required to meet the demand and has it delivered affordable housing the government in, introduced a requirement that only sites of 10 units or a thousand square meters or more essentially would have to deliver affordable housing so in many instances houses that or housing developments that are below that end up essentially not having to profit and not making a contribution at all not providing a contribution at all to the to the affordable housing need obviously they're providing market housing but in of itself that in, in essence, causes an issue because there are a lot of windfall sites. Windfall sites are a technical term, me- meaning the sites that we hadn't necessarily planned for in, 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 a, in a local plan or what have you, and they tend to be smaller. But but actually, if you av- if you aggregate them all together, we're talking quite significant numbers. Um, so that's I think something that we could look at again to see whether or not uh, those smaller developments could provide some contribution because of course the smaller sites aren't having to provide as many infrastructure costs as well. Yeah, so and it, it's a shame that the government actually tells the planning inspectors to strike it out if a local authority says that they would like to have a policy um, and they've got evidence to say why if there's 10 homes one or three of them should be affordable rent indeed and i think that was one that was the case locally uh, here in in the in the, in the recently adopted yeah. local plans in 2018 there are some big issues i think one of the, one of the other areas where, where i think it's quite important to look at is and i think i think there are a few of them but i think they could provide a much greater contribution are rural exception sites um these are sites adjacent to typically villages but actually they could be towns as well they essentially get a, an easier ride through planning on the basis that they're providing 
either 100% or in some cases where viability allows a slightly smaller proportion of affordable housing. And I think there's certainly some engagement with parish councils, who many of many of whom may not necessarily be aware of the, the benefits. And, and one other thing, the reason I think it's quite important is that the affordable housing crisis that we have has knock-on effects. So, for example, in many of the villages in South Cambridgeshire, for example, we've got changing demographics, which means that ageing populations, which means which ultimately leads to fewer people attending local primary schools, which in the end, as we saw not in this part of the, the district, or sorry, not this part of the county, but further north in, in Great Gidding, a school recently had to close because of a decline in pupil numbers. And, and inevitably, if, if something isn't done to change that, other schools will have to close. So, Well, I you've got to have vibrant communities, yeah. Indeed. And I think just, just to sort of, just to, just to sort of, finalise on that i think one thing that might be something that's worth looking at is possibly urban exception sites as well where potentially where something clearly affordable housing is something that's desirable and something that i would imagine that the existing government and certainly any incoming government would want to see is an uplift in affordable housing so are there are there ways in which we could perhaps freeze planning fees for that but but ensuring because obviously i'm conscious that many local planning authorities are underfunded so maybe the government could could step in and play those planning fees on 100% affordable housing schemes for example it may be a drop in the ocean but there's sort of just little things and the other thing i think particularly in cambridge is that we as a general rule there, there have been building height limits as well um and actually there may be some locations obviously obviously there's a there's a fantastic skyline and we, you know we wouldn't want to do anything to to damage that but there are areas of the city where i believe that higher rise development could be potentially suitable and they may be on the cambridge east site um around around the airport there are already some quite large hangars there for example um but also around possibly around the new station at cambridge north um and potentially on and around the biomedical campus okay that's quite a good list to start with uh, I'll, i won't go straight down the high rise but I, it does make me remember a proposal from <coughs> germain greer who actually lives in a very nice village uh on the essex border um uh, that she would like to see almost like a, a ring of high rises about six around the city in strategic locations <laughs> but but it, I, I don't think that idea flew um even though one of them was at the airport stephen hills you've got a long experience and and will has rightly opened up with some action points if you like sort of focusing on the solutions how do you see the challenge who do you think is worst off in our city where are the big issues in terms of the role that that housing associations and the council should be targeting their effort but yeah your take on on the issues in a similar way to will yeah thank you lewis um, but i would like to begin with just saying that you cannot underestimate the scale of the challenge that we're facing. Cambridge is the most expensive place outside of London. Uh, the long-standing ratios of average earnings to house prices, nationally it's been around three and a half, four. In Cambridge it's now, in the teens, it's 15, 16 times an income. Uh, the length of time it now takes to save for a deposit for an average-priced home in Cambridge is around 30 years. That's 30? 30 years. Right. Uh, so that's not happening, is it? Unless that, you get some help a, from a different source. That's a broken system, uh, and it means that the, uh, unless you've got an exceptionally high income, uh, the majority of people that are able to buy as first-time buyers is because they've got money from a family. So it's great for them, um, but what it means is that um, 
wealth inequality extends down to generations when, when that's the only access to... to, to so what to perce- do you have a handle on what percentage of the population could actually afford to buy? It must be less than half now. It, it's much less than half. Um, the, the average incomes in the city, uh, the, the bottom sort of 30% of the population earn a household income of around £30,000 a year. Yeah. That doesn't give you access to either the private rented sector or the uh, open market sales. Uh, so what we've got is a compounded problem because we've got people on low incomes or people with other issues in their lives, which means that they are reliant upon affordable housing. Uh, but we've got a la- very large number of people in uh, Cambridge who are earning, by national standards, reasonable incomes, but are unable to find any uh, access to, to housing within within the city, uh, in the private rented sector, or buying. And of course, they're the people that will never get uh, on on the wait. They will never be at the top of the waiting list. So the affordable housing list goes to the people in the highest need, and they're not going to qualify for that unless they've got other issues I- in their lives. Oh, so there's a lot of people, single people, a variety of different people um, within the community that don't get a look in yeah absolutely so there'll be there's lots of people completely cut out now cambridge is a, a victim of its own success will mentioned earlier the the you know going back to, to the 90s population dropped for it for a while in the recent couple of decades the cambridge economy has been phenomenal and even during the recession and uh, various economic downturns nationally it's kept growing and independence economic studies of the growth of the Cambridge economy indicate that, if anything, the overall demand for housing is even greater than that which is uh, currently in the local plan. Uh, so there's evidence to suggest that we're even short of, of, of setting uh, the targets there. Uh, and there's no indication that that's going to, uh, to slow down. Um, so so the, sort of the numbers that we're looking at there... We can certainly look, as Will was suggesting, at w- what we can do within the city and on the on the borders. I think really to provide the housing, it's going to have to be further afield. And then you really, that's why we've got such important discussions sort of allied to this around public transport and so on to make that work. There's been a lot of house building. If you listen to some voices, and one of them was Cambridge Cyrenians, their take, including because they're working closely with people who are homeless, is that actually the nature of the economy steaming ahead uh, and the quite a lot of the development hasn't touched the sides in terms of the people who really need the housing so how locally how can we do better i know that on a lot of developments we've got 30 or even 40 percent affordable but then some of that is shared ownership where people have got to buy a bit of it uh there's different different ways it's uh eaten into affordable is is like a mother an apple pie term which means sounds great but there's not actually much low rent housing coming out of the new build so so just looking at the current engine of growth how how could that be better for people on on lower incomes the people who do a lot of the jobs in this city the people who grew up in this city one one of the uh, things i'm always saying is subsidised housing needs to be subsidised and I think people don't often understand that uh, there's very little direct subsidy that actually goes into affordable housing for housing associations there is some grant in some cases for new development but there isn't any other subsidy going in Um, 
and housing associations have to borrow uh, from the private markets uh, money to build the homes that are, that are, that are uh, then let as affordable homes. And that puts pressure on rents uh, and that puts pressure on uh, housing benefit and, and it means that affordability is being squeezed even within the affordable housing sector. And as you, as you say, Lewis, it's, it's, um, it's a bit of a loose term at times. Uh, there is a technical distinction made in house associations between what we call social rented homes and what, what would be the maximum share of the market rent that you'd call social, roughly, in Cambridge? In terms of market rents, well, the only social rents are, are provided by housing associations and the council. Yeah. Uh, so the, the percentage of homes uh, that are provided uh, by those two bodies, but not all housing associations. Yeah, but what percentage of, rent? say, the market rent on Gwardia Street or oh, on okay. Mill Road so would, would some, you be... I've would you some, roughly be yeah. saying it? Because I think it's important for the listeners, people interested, to understand affordable covers all sorts. Social rent is, what, up to about 60% of market rent? Let me rent? give you some numbers to, to illustrate. Yeah. Uh, a median private rent sec- sector rent for a two-bed home in Cambridge is £357 a week. Yeah. That's the median. For a housing association, an affordable rent would be £151 a week. So sort of le- less than... Yeah, sort of so half. it's more like 40%. A social, a social rent would be £114 a week. Okay. And council rents are at 103 So you can see there's a huge gulf between the 130, the 103 and 114 of social rents and the 357 of, of market rents. So it's, it's, it's about... Okay, a but, but as you say, you've got to be able to fund the new homes and the council does and a lot of the new rental properties which is a good thing that the council's done a bit of building um they are more like 60 percent and moving upwards sometimes up to towards 80 percent simply to make the development work where is cambridge housing society aiming if it's doing a new development i know you've done some good development including areas a, a little away from cambridge but with decent transport we would love to be able to build all of our homes and let them at social rents. And the majority of our homes are still let at social rents. But for new developments coming in, in order to, to meet the land prices we talked about, in order to be uh, competitive in our bids for those homes, it's just not possible without further grant to actually make uh, the bid stack up. So we'd be building nothing if we, if we were to simply rely on the social rents. Uh, and that's really a function of what I was saying about the, the subsidy that goes into this, the grant that goes into this. Uh, I mean, I was struck by something I read the other day that back in, I think, about 1979, people on the lowest incomes across the country, and it would have been the same in Cambridge, spent about 5% of their household income on rent, mostly council rents in those days. That now nationally is, is 25% and rising for the people on the lowest incomes. But, this, but it's not an accident. These are policy choices made by successive governments uh, to actually switch subsidy from subsidising the housing associations to build and able to let at those low rents to actually funding the rent itself, supporting the rent itself through housing benefit. So when you see uh, discussions in the press and so on about the rise of housing benefit and social security spending in that regard, it's in large part a function of the fact that that's where the, the shift has happened policy terms from subsidising the rents to actually subsidising and, and a linkage to Will's point that there was that post-war period when both the private sector but particularly 
um, funded building of council homes meant that we got to 250,000 homes or more a year and at that stage the new homes were being built for social rent from day one which is uh, which in the some might say broken system that we're now in there isn't that linkage is there something to be said there because I know it's a complex issue, and I dive in it a bit in my at my peril. But, but the the whole issue of the local housing allowance and the fact that Cambridge isn't as anywhere near as high uh, a rent as some parts of London, but it's still uh, that side. What needs to change on the support system to recognise the extreme cost of living of living in a home in Cambridge and and how can the government do better on making sure that that they're assisting those in the highest cost housing areas? Uh, The local housing allowance in Cambridge is way off the the market rents. Uh, I gave you that figure earlier of uh, £357 a week. The local housing allowance... That, that which you get housing benefit for is 195 and it's going to go up in april it's, it's going up but it's been under for a long time it'll be frozen again after its next increase so you can see there that the problem with that that will cause is that people even entitled to housing benefit won't get the full amount of their rent even if they're on very low incomes and have to make it up so you've got to fight for the lower rental properties yeah. or choose to yeah. live yeah. 20 40 yeah. miles out of yeah. cambridge yeah. so it exacerbates the the, the problem so uh, you could put the local housing allowance up. That would, in the short term, that would clearly alleviate a lot of financial stress for an awful lot of people. Uh, and so that's something that ought to be considered. And the way in which these things are batched, you know, it, it, Cambridge can be batched with sort of low cost areas quite a long way away, which is a distorting factor in the way it's calculated. But the local housing allowance for Cambridge is mainly us and South Cambridgeshire, and they've got as much of a challenge as the city's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't change. So it's putting the local housing allowance up would certainly alleviate uh, immediate stress for a lot of people. Uh, ultimately, I think, it's, it's coming back to what we said, that we need to think more... It's, it, you know, spending money on benefits isn't the best investment for government to spend its money We'd be much better off investing that in the provision of low rental affordable homes so that's an investment for generations to come in those properties, not just a short-term spend in year on, on paying high rents. Let, let's dig into the, the housing rental area because clearly, unlike some parts of the country, even some parts of Cambridgeshire, we're in a position where maybe a third of the people that are looking for ha- in need of housing, including younger people, are actually able to think, oh... I think I might buy. How can we sort of change the dial in terms of the number of properties that are rentable? We've got the sometimes claimed percentage of 30 or 40% of homes being affordable, but is there a route to actually look at in a much greater amount of specification uh, as to exactly what is built on new developments? And is it better to have I don't know, 40% of homes, new homes on a development at at, uh, 80% of market rent or a slightly smaller number that are actually truly affordable. Can you both give us a view on that? Yeah, um, so in terms of the 30 to 40%, so the the local plan generally requires something in that order depending on precisely where one is in 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 the county. One of the things that I think might be quite important is... There were, there were, although they've been sort of taken away, but 
I suspect they may come back, is housing targets. And I think that some affordable housing targets within that mix is, is really important. There haven't actually been specific affordable housing targets hi- hitherto. Um, there has been, there are you know, housing need surveys and, and we know, and they're broken down actually to quite, quite a, a detailed degree down to essentially village and, and ward level within, within the city. So we've got a broad eye, and they're not foolproof these, but they're, they're the, the best we have. Um, so we do know what, roughly what the need is. So I, I think having some sort of targets for the provision of all of housing is really important. And then your your other point was about the, the mix and what that should be. And I, and I suspect, obviously, um, Stephen's much more an e- of an expert in this field than I am, but it, it, I suspect it varies from place to place and in the circumstances and so, um, from place to place. So we know, I mean, certainly the Housing Needs Survey give an indication that in certain locations there's a particular need for certain numbers of bedrooms um, and, and affordable rent. In others, it's, it's, there's more of a need for shared ownership. And, and I think so the, the, the precise need will vary probably from place to place. So it's probably a, a, a fine-tuned mix of, of different types of tenure rather than a sort of one size fits all across the across the county or or, or, or the city as it were Stephen, i don't know yes yeah, so, uh, and i mentioned earlier about the the scale of that need i we, i know that for every property that chs puts on for um to find a new tenant we have bids for those properties and we have typically 70 or more bids for every single property so that li- that gives you an idea of the scale of unmet need and, and are is there less turnover i mean because the housing market is really challenged have the actual number of lettings by you or by the council proportionate to their stock fallen turnover is, is very low as you would imagine it's actually quite low in cambridge as a whole it's only about three percent of of, of 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 the of the market so that's part of the reason that there's what, once every price. 30 years yeah i mean people's people tend to get what they can and then stay uh, for, for the reasons that, that they wanted to be here in the first place but i think so i think there's two things you've got to do both at once one is that you've got to be able to provide truly affordable homes for that vast number of people that absolutely need social rented homes uh, uh, to meet their housing needs and to have a good quality of life but we've really got to do more to provide affordable accessible homes for people on reasonable incomes who will not access the market in the current at the current prices and i think you know that won't be buying for the most part that will be probably forms of uh, long-term well-managed private rented provision which they do have in places like Germany and other countries, but we don't have that much of in this country uh, provided by institutional providers. Not, not short-term lets by landlords who might accidentally own one or two properties, but, you know, proper institutions. But they make a contribution. They do make a contribution, and there's always a place for that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not a structural solution to, to the scale of the issues that we're facing. listening to Cambridge 105 Radio. Uh, this is Cambridge Challenges and I've have in the studio Will Nichols and I also have Stephen Hills, both who've got a considerable knowledge of this issue. So Cambridge 105 Radio is now going to look, I think, at the national issues. There's an element that you said, Will, it's slightly frightening. You said we're about we're only about four million homes behind, and it might and it might that might that sounds like it's going to take 
not just my lifetime, but Stephen's, um, and possibly quite a large amount of yours, uh, 30 or 40 years. I mean, what, what do you think, if you were Prime Minister, um, that would be some of the things that, 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 that should happen? Um, and I'll throw in one to start with, and, and that is, I know it might be difficult for bringing forward some sites because the landowners might decide not to bring it forward, but when you mentioned that sometimes a multiplier of the original agricultural value might be 80 times, isn't it time that we actually put a cap on that? I'm always slightly nervous about caps and things because I think sometimes they can have unintended consequences such as for example landowners may just sit on the land for the next generation the next generation so I, I think I think a more sort of nuanced approach is necessary um, I you're, you're absolutely right though um, I think it's really important I think one of the one of the one of the key blockages in in the, in the system is is uh, is planning um, and there's a number of number of reasons is it is it a major problem i think it, i think it is for for a number of reasons i think what well, we've obviously seen that many and, I'm, and this is a, we're talking about the national pitch here you know, so this isn't a local thing and we're not trying to dig into a particular uh, <laughs> yeah. project uh, but people can see what happens near them yes within, within cambridge area yeah. yeah so so i think one of the one of the issues is is um that that local communities don't all, always see the benefits of the community of the they see they see the additional traffic they see they see the building work the news the noise the nuisance but but actually the end of it they don't necessarily see that they're getting much m many local benefits it's not common for their thoughts or um uh, likely response to be taken into sort of early account so they're not often sometimes even on a big development Obviously, if it's been in the local plan for three or four years, there's, and a lot of developers do a really good job of pre-engagement, I totally grab the issue that, that we've got a breakdown sometimes with some communities, and they can't see the purpose. I mean, if I can see your point, for instance, about exception sites, mm -hmm. uh, including because if, yeah, I, I've got children in the city, but if I was in 10 miles out in a village, I'd, I'd want to see housing in within a walking or a reasonable distance um, for for my children and my grandchildren. So I think the the point is, you're right that we get this response from local communities, but there needs to be some more practical engagement. Yeah, and I think I think also you know bodies like priced out are probably a part a, a really important part of the equation when a proposal when a proposal in a, in a particular village might might come forward. Um, the kind of people the people who might be wanting to live in that well freddie's not going to be charging down yeah. there with a placard is he indeed and the people who might need the houses in those villages might not actually be in the village at that particular moment and therefore their voices won't necessarily be heard whereas the people who are opposing the development probably will be so i i think but i think if if the if local communities could see more of the benefits of, of development so they they got more more local benefits out of it that that could change and sway yeah. public opinion. We need to have fundamental change, and I think. But I do think more certainty. I mean, just to give you an example, we've obviously had I think it's sixteen or maybe possibly seventeen. You'll correct me if I'm wrong here. Housing ministers since 2010. That 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 kind of well, they've been and planning ministers and as plan well, and, yeah. and several planning ministers. So we we need obviously we do need changes, but we do need things to bed in, and we need we do need some stability. And in terms of the planning system, I do think that many local planning authorities are under-resourced and do need investment, more more people within those departments, and, and perhaps more incentives to, to actually 
deliver those those um, schemes. To give you an example, many many local authorities are assessed on how many planning applications they determine within a certain... 13 weeks. 13 week period, exactly. I think the issue with that is that for... for it's, a, it's eight weeks for a very small developments. So I think for, for a household extension, it's uh, getting an application done within eight weeks is perfectly reasonable. But if, you're, if you've got a scheme for 20, 30, or even 100, 200, 1,000 houses, to get it to, determined within 13 weeks, it's sometimes 16, depending on, on, on specifics, but usually 13. It's a really tricky, uh, to be honest almost impossible i think and actually i think if if and the problem you have often is once because local authorities or local planning authorities are assessed against those targets once the 13 weeks have elapsed and often it's not necessarily their fault it's often they're waiting for various responses to come in then that there's there's no incentive to get it determined in the same way they'll be looking at the the applications that are 10 or 9 or 10 or 11 weeks so i think actually if the 13 week paradoxically were extended to something a little bit more reasonable or there was a stepping up depending on the size of the development we might see you know those targets being more achievable for local planning authorities and hopefully more uh speedy decisions because actually yeah. the 13 week doesn't doesn't allow much time particularly if it has to go to planning committee which often larger larger schemes do well if something comes out of the blue i can't see how you can do it in 13 weeks um and they do sometimes come out of the blue for the planning authority or the neighbors mm-hmm. but at the same time yep yeah, so i'm with you the planning system isn't great the, the, but there's some fundamentally dedicated planners working their socks off and it's a significant workload because mm. as you said Stephen even in average times Cambridge is busy and there's there's a lot going on your, your take just on that specific topic there are issues with, with planning and there are issues with resourcing around planners but overall there are typically many more existing planning permissions out there including in Cambridgeshire, than are actually being built out. So whilst it'd be right to, to make sure we get planning sorted, I've never seen it as the big problem in, in, in all of this. I think there's other things much more significant. No, but it, it's, it's a debating area, Definitely, and, and yeah. it, it's often not assisted by the fact that the planning authority could actually do, if you like, a background engagement with saying, well, why, is that, why we think that this, why is it in the local plan and, and, and why is some of that happening? So are there ways that you think that a government could change the dial? There are three things that I'd have. I mean, we've, we've, they're sort of linked to what we're all saying, really. Uh, first of all, we need the government to actually provide some real leadership here. Uh, and what we've tended to have over a number of uh, years is quite short-term, ad hoc yeah, uh, we've had help to buy. I mean, the the a, a number of uh, dials have been moved the wrong way. Where governments, for instance, um, allowed people to appeal the amount of affordable housing in the city and and produce less. So, at, at a national level and at a regional level, there's much more that c- that can be done to have a really clear strategic understanding of what's needed. Yeah, we, we talked earlier about the fact that you would never be able to build all the housing needed in Cambridge. You've got to then look at outside of Cambridge. That means looking at transport infrastructure. It means looking at water. It means looking at sewage. There's a whole raft of things. It's got to be joined up. It's got to be holistic. It's got to be a big picture. And we haven't... The the local authorities have tried their best to do that amongst themselves, but we really need government to provide some real... Well, we lost regional plans. I mean, we had Peter Studdart in in the room and the... And I remember being part of helping develop the East of England plan, and it 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 it, it had the benefit that that we had a bit of unity, um, yeah. uh, and and also uh, if 
Norfolk needed something or Cambridgeshire needed something, it, it wasn't just a, yeah. a left to them to fight for it. It's, it's about aligning those over because there's economic policies and so on that all need to uh, align along this. So that's really, really important. Yeah. And I think there's so there has to be clarity at national it's got level. To be clarity. Um, and and if, for instance, the, I mean, I haven't seen the full detail, but Labour's talking about three hundred thousand homes a year. Nice idea, but but yes, it's so a, a strategy there. There's really good work from local authorities that can be drawn on. There's great university-based research around this that could be drawn on. What we don't need are more sort of policy or think tanks. That, yeah. are, that are thrown in. Uh, it's uh, it's about it's about delivery. If yeah. if if as you say, it, it's about supply. Plus, yeah. Your the, next the, point. My next point is is providing certainty. Uh, the the whole process of development, both from the private and the public sector, it's a massively risky mm. prospect. You can make millions of pounds of profit for a developer, but you're risking millions as, at the start of a. Where process. are you on the market cycle so, at the moment? We're on a lowish point, um, but but if you're building at certain times, have you do your sums add up? So you know we 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 we, we talked about the, the we've talked about the planning system, and part of the problem at the moment is these ad hoc approach to the planning system and uncertainty around. Uh, levies and so on is not helping so de-risking yeah. well there's an argument that the new infrastructure levy will actually damage affordable housing delivery which yeah. i i think is pretty compelling to me because it siphons the money off and takes it away from affordable housing an issue of of providing certainty within the the affordable housing you, you mentioned earlier lewis some of the people with very specialist needs and for supported housing at the moment there's huge uncertainty around the uh, the, the, the housing support funds that come from councils yeah. around that and uh, some years ago the government took the ring fence off they, they made that money as part of the general pot of money that councils could spend when in fact it, before it was, targeted it, was, it was targeted as the additional need for yes. older people or disabled exactly. people or, exactly. or s single so homeless so we really need to bring that back in yeah. so, so we've lost our way on, on several threads there um, both in terms of how does it all fit in terms of what are we aiming for in terms of building, but particularly the money's got lost in a lot of other things, including the help to buy, which uh, Freddie rightly said that all that did yeah. was shift up housing prices. Yeah, I mean, just get, we have a we're in planning. We have, we have a plan-led system, so we have a system of local plans which then sort of direct where growth. Could, should should and could go, could go we have typically we often have housing allocations employment allocations and various allocations one thing that might be an interesting idea would be to have specific affordable housing allocations that were very much affordable housing led they might not necessarily be 100 percent. there may be reasons why that isn't necessarily could we designate sites i mean there's a there's a very good study just published about those councils that are building a lot and the majority of councils are really trying can we yeah. do that? Uh, well, absolutely. Because, I mean, wh why should um, Site A down the road not be allocated and said, right, this is Cambridge, there's, there's a huge problem within the four miles of that, that site. But you may find that, that some uh, promoters, developers, house builders, planning consultants might, might take a view that actually there's a, if there's a better chance of getting an allocation through getting an affordable housing allocation, which presumably... Well, it could it be a be. plan B, it, where, where you, you allocate the market sites and then you've chosen a range you've had your eye on a couple of other sites but you say look 
Do you want to bring this site forward? If so, we could put it in the plan. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or indeed, it could be a plan A for that 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 promoter. They may yeah. may take a view. I, I think there, there are for the, for reasons that that perhaps we may not discuss today. But but a hundred percent affordable on a on a very large scheme probably isn't desirable for social demography reasons. But certainly, there's no reason why you couldn't be looking at kind of sixty percent, seventy percent. Yeah, sort of no, thing. you could you could have it, um, and you could have other forms of affordable yeah. or. Um, progression to purchase on some of the sites anything else that you think uh, if you were sitting in the hot seat in Whitehall you would do my third point would be around we've touched upon it but it's about the subsidy it's about providing certainty around the funding yeah. and one of the oddities I suppose of, of the the way that the UK organizes its housing funding is that we we treat the spending on affordable housing as spending in year uh, so for the government, it's a, a massive uh, hit on balancing the books, as it were, in, in year. If if, uh, if they have, to, if they whereas have whereas the rent is paid, well, it's going to be paid well, in perpetuity. It, it, but if it's paid over fifty years, you're, you're building uh, an investment. That that home is going to last for sixty years plus. Uh, and and in other countries, particularly in Europe, uh, that sort of investment in in affordable homes is actually measured over a period of 60 years plus so the in-year cost is is much less so it's, it's a really important it's, it's a technical accounting matter but it makes such a huge difference in terms of no it's not technical at all uh, i mean the way that public sector borrowing and the treasury orthodoxy about um what is investable doesn't seem to think about housing very well. It, 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 all the studies have shown that investment in housing more than pays for itself in terms of the other social gains that you get yeah. from it year on year. Never mind well, the long-term investment you get, the actual gains you get year on year in terms of reduced health costs, uh, improved education, improved employment prospects, yeah. etc. You, you, you name it across a whole raft of other social uh, indicators. If you invest in public housing, you generate money. So that is that is costs. one boffin's piece of work, one piece of work that does need to be done. It's been done many times, and the but, figures. But are it very needs clear. to be freshed, yeah, it and, be and it needs to be absolutely. in the heads of the Definitely. politicians and the civil servants. Yeah. One last point, and then I'm going to sum up. Yeah, and it's just to come back to an earlier point we made, and that was about transport, which I think is a, is a really important part part of the potential solution. And you know, before I mentioned towns potentially to principally to the north of Cambridge where values are slightly lower but actually in the last 15-20 years my experience is that that you've that we've actually seen a lot of a bit of regeneration of some of our market towns and, and in the case of Ely City with with an influx of, of um, people from who couldn't perhaps afford to live in Cambridge moving out to places like St Ives, um, Ely, Soham, Royston wherever it may be. Generally places with good transport links. Good transport links yes and there, and there are some others that that do you know further north have railway lines that could you know could could have, could benefit from increased services and i mentioned march down a market whittlesea as an exa- as examples but actually that could be an opportunity to really help regenerate some of those towns um it, it, you know f- further north in in cambridgeshire and, and across the borders in other well, counties thank you and, and and thank you to you both we 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 probably needed two hours but we did our best um there's clearly a, a big linkage um to the whole development sector uh, including how we do deliver genuinely affordable housing. Um, there's been some good building of affordable housing, but it hasn't hit the spot for a number of people um, because of the way benefits and other things work in the city. There, there is a challenge to say uh, about growth uh, that, that we have to 
tailor the growth and possibly cap some of the growth to make sure that we are a genuine whole community that includes everybody. Uh, thank you, Will, for joining us, and Stephen. Thank you. Um, Thanks. We hope that, that those that are developing policies on either side ahead of a fresh period of government do take housing far more seriously than it's been taken for 20 years. It's not just a Cambridge challenge, it's a national challenge, and uh, housing really matters. It's, it's fundamental to people's living and to the ability of people on lower incomes not to have to force most of their income into something and then lose out the ability to live good lives. So thank you for listening. We will be continuing to follow through on this issue and a number of others um, related to the needs of people on lower incomes in this city. Um, uh, as I once coined, it's about one city fair for all. Thank you. You've been listening to Cambridge Challenges with Lewis Herbert. His guests were Freddie Poser of the Yimby Alliance and Generation Rent, Will Nichols, Regional Director of Planning Consultancy Landro, and Stephen Hills, CEO of Cambridge Housing Society. And you can listen to the programme again on the Radio Player app or the Cambridge 105 Radio website. you can trust. Woodfine Solicitors offers a range of expert and award-winning legal services, whatever your problem. Perhaps you've been a victim of crime, or maybe you or a loved one have been involved in the criminal justice system. Woodfines can help ensure that you get the right representation. Our defence team are available 24-7, and we're upfront and transparent about our costs. Find out more at woodfines.co.uk and arrange a no-obligation chat. Woodfines. Cutting through the red tape. This is Cambridge 105 Radio. I think Burley Street is sort of like a, a destination. They hit the street, they go to cafes, benefits the whole local community. At Adam Rooks, we're doing something called whole genome sequencing, and that can tell us much more information. Bourne's a cracker. It's a lovely, old-fashioned village with its lovely babbling brook and its pretty cottages, but it's also got an awful lot going on. This is the most local gig I think I've ever played. I can hear you guys from opening the window. 